So today we are finishing up a message series that we've been doing since Easter. On Easter, we celebrated the beauty of the resurrection, that through the power of the resurrection, we've all been given this promise to come to come back to life. And so we've been exploring what are some of the things that perhaps get in the way or can be an impetus for us to actually come back to life. And today on this weekend, we're going to talk about perhaps one of the hardest things, say the best for last, right? I want you to think about what the worst habit is that you need to break so that you can live life fully and abundantly. What is the worst habit that you have that you need to break so that you can live life fully and abundantly? Years ago, one of my extended family members came up at, for one of our children's significant life events, a graduation, I think, and, and we're sitting at dinner, and they said, you know, uh, the doctor told me that if I did not make some significant life changes, that I was going to be putting my life in danger. And so, I mean, that was some pretty leveling news. So we continued to have conversation around it. And, and they shared with us that they were struggling with diabetes. And that it was so bad that if they didn't make immediate and radical life change, that they really were putting their life at risk. Now, I don't know a ton about diabetes, but I was diabetic when I was pregnant, so I understood enough to know that like blood sugar and, and intake of sugar and carbs was not necessarily a good thing. And so we sat there at the meal, and they kept drinking sweet tea. Now, I thought, well, hmm, that's odd. And I thought, well, one glass, okay, maybe. I mean, it's, it's the South, and they don't normally get sweet tea. I'll, I'll give them a pass. But like on the third glass, I thought, this can't be good. You just explained to us that if you don't make radical life changes. So in classic Andrea fashion, I just sometimes say things that need to stay inside. That's probably one of my bad habits that I need to break. I said, you know, hey, I thought you just said to us that you were battling diabetes, and you needed to make radical life change. And they said, well, I do. I said, then why do you keep drinking sweet tea? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. And they said, well, there's a pill for that. Like they just give me a pill or, or I can take a shot of insulin and it's just gonna, it'll nullify that. And I said, I don't, I don't think that's what they meant. And apparently from your chuckles, you know, that's not exactly what the doctors meant either. This morning, maybe we can explore together for just a few minutes what are some of our hardest habits to break. 
And, and what do we need to do about those so that we can experience life more fully? Flash forward six, seven years, had another meal with same relative not too long ago, and noticed they were drinking Diet Coke this time. I said, hey, no more sweet tea? And they said, no, I realized that I really had to make radical changes, that the medicine was not a cure-all or a fix-all, that it was up to me. If we want to be followers of the way, if we want to live into the true resurrection, and whether you believe in the bodily resurrection and all those things or not, I do believe that there is something, there is something to this thing called life that is supposed to be full of joy and happiness. That's what God offers us through this peace that comes even through the most difficult and trying times. It gives us a promise that in the middle of the darkness, we can still find and experience absolute light and absolute life. But in order to do that, we have to get out of the way. And in order for us to get out of the way, there are some habits that we need to break. Now, one of the things that I believe in as your pastor is that I never stand up here and put myself up on a a pedestal and act like I've got it all figured out and that you don't and you need to follow me. I have lots of habits that I need to break too, but there's a sense of vulnerability that goes on up here, you know, that there's only so much of my bad stuff that I want you to see. So I'm going to use a habit that maybe is like 75% worked on. It's it's not always there or all the way over there, but, but I've been working on it actually this past year very intentionally, and it impacted how I lead you as your pastor and how I do my job. I have this thing or have had this thing called self-deprecating. I would get up here, and because I don't use a manuscript, I write an outline, and then it's all in here, and then sometimes what goes on in here does not come out of here. I would find myself going down a rabbit trail, and it would be so bad. And in the moment, I would know, this really sucks, and I need to redeem this message, and I don't know how. So I would keep talking, and then finally, I would just start putting myself down. I fear, you know, hey, if I enamor myself to you, then maybe you won't walk away and go, oh, never want to go back to that church again. But some people that loved me enough to say hard things to me pulled me to the side and they said, look, you've got to stop. We choose to listen to you. You're our leader. We choose to follow you. So we need you to stop it. A couple of them would periodically sit closer to me and I can't really see who you are or, or anything about you past like the second or the third row. They would make sure that they sat close enough that I could see like, oh, okay, I'm going there again. I need to stop. That bad habit that I had was robbing me of my joy and my peace and living out my calling. And guess what? Just because I'm the preacher does not mean I'm the only one in this space at this time with a calling. You have one that has been placed in your life too, and it's to be your best self. And we believe that we can be our best selves as we follow Christ. 
And this, this has not always been a thing, this following Jesus thing. It's actually pretty recent if you look throughout the course of time. And so I want to tell you a story this morning. It's actually one of the foundational scriptural passages that outlines West and who we are. And so I'm going to go on and say that we're going to look at hard habits that we need to break as people and as individuals. And then I'm going to challenge us at the end to look at who we are as a faith community. And talk about who we are in this greater umbrella of United Methodism. Whether you know it or not, we're a United Methodist Church, and that seems to be hitting the news pretty rapidly these days. But, but this thing called Jesus and following the way, this person of Jesus, is a relatively new thing in the spans of history and time. And several thousand years before Jesus came on the earth, there was a group of people called the Israelites, the Jewish people. And they had this just amazing and divine connection with God. They believed that they were the chosen people, that they were called, that they were set apart to be distinct. And, you know, if we're called to be distinct, it means we do things differently. So they had fundamental practices and rituals that defined them as a group of people. And not just for 20 or 30 years, not just for a couple of hundred years, for thousands, thousands of years. The Jewish people had a set of guiding principles of rules and rituals that they followed. And these weren't just so they could check off a a box on their list. It was so that they could experience the presence of God and live into being who God called them to be. And, And that's really, really important for us to know. Because guess what? Change is hard. None of us really want to change. I mean, not at our core because it requires a lot of work on our parts. Now, if change was easy, we'd all do it. But change is hard. And sometimes it shakes us at, at our very core of our being. But unless we've reached perfect self-actualization, we all have stuff. And we all have habits in our lives that we need to change so that we can really live into being who God has called us to be. I want you to hear this passage this morning. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. While the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles of the earth and birds of the air. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. So one thing to know that of all those rules and rituals that the Jewish people followed, a lot of what they did and who they were was centered around the table, was centered around what they did and did not eat. 
And so Peter, who is in this, in this special place with the divine, with God, he has this dream and this sheet's being lowered. And lo and behold, on the sheet's all this stuff, all these animals that Jewish people were not supposed to eat. And so Peter hears the voice of God and it says, hey, listen, get up, go kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, I've screwed up in my life, and Peter did. He, he really messed up. He was so human, but such an avid follower of Jesus. And after the resurrection, he was all in. He was all committed to, to doing everything he could to take the message of the light and hope of Christ into the world. And so he has this dream, and, and it had to be like a temptation. He traditionally would not have eaten a long time before this experience. He would have been fast as he traveled. So when he arrives at, at this place and he goes up to pray, he had to be really hungry. The sheet comes down. There's lots of things there for him in his mind to eat. He hears this voice, go eat. And, and he's like, no, no, I'm not going to take that bait, actually. Mm-mm. Those things that I see, they're not clean. They're impure. They're profane. And what profane means in that instance is would have hindered the presence of the divine or the presence of God. And then Peter hears again, no, no, go and eat. Because you see, it's open for everybody. There's nothing that God has made. There's nothing that I have made that is unclean. Go and eat. Now, if you keep reading in the Gospel of Acts, you will see that God did not just give him this one decree and then just leave him alone. God gives him this this decree, this vision. Peter gets up. He goes to follow that voice. He hears it three times. He goes to follow that voice. And then all these other things, if you keep reading, you see all these other things keep happening. In fact, this story is so important to the foundation of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. It is repeated in the Gospel of Acts two times. This story alone changed everything. Because you see, at this point in time, the people that followed Jesus were traditionally all Jewish people. There were one or two Gentiles, and that means not a Jew, a different group of people, a different sect of people. It just had one or two people that weren't the same. The rest of the followers, and at this point, they're still called followers of the way. We don't get to the word Christian until a couple of more chapters later in the Gospel of Acts. But the bottom line is, all the people that would have been around the table with Peter would have looked and acted the exact same. They would have been set apart the exact same. And if that had stayed true, can you imagine how small the impact of Jesus Christ would have been? Chances are we wouldn't be here. God gives Peter, this radical follower of Jesus Christ, this person who's let his life be changed, this person who experienced the beauty of life after after death, God gives him this vision and says, look, 
It's all good. It's all clean. Go and share with everybody. The whole book of Acts has different visions and different experiences that people encounter. And the the meaning behind each of them is to give us a bigger picture of God's redemptive work in our lives. And that's the good news for us. God redeems all things, even our worst habits. Let me say that one more time. God redeems all things, even our worst habits. And if we're really honest with ourselves, and we really drill down at the core and the root of who we are and pick out those worst habits, we'll own and we'll realize that they get in the way of us being at one with life. To come back to life and to be fully alive, we have to confront those bad habits head on. Peter did. And he kept getting reassurance, like by this na- man named Cornelius. He's like, hey, I've been sent here for you. And, and it's such a beautiful story. And it goes on to be a beautiful story because guess what? You're here and you're listening to it. God did redeem rules and rituals. So much so that it's turned into like 30 or 40,000 different denominations. You know, like Assembly of God or United Methodist or First Baptist or Second Baptist or Free Will Baptist or Free Will Methodist. I mean, I could go on and name and name and name denominations and religious and religious faith traditions. It's because we all come at this thing called scripture from a different way. But the bottom line is we all have something in common. We all have things that we've held on to just like the Jewish people did. Things that set us apart and make us different. And some are amazing. And some are beautiful characteristics. And then some are not. Some are bad habits that we need to break. I shared with you that I would talk about a a personal bad habit, one that I was, you know, on my way to, as United Methodist would say, on our way to perfection, which is loving God with all that we are and then loving each other. Um, I'm I'm not there yet, and probably like maybe 75% of the way this week I had the opportunity, and it was a really cool privilege, actually, to be invited to go speak at this thing in Asheville for church planters, people that have planted a church from across the southeast. So there were different people from lots of different states and people that were in charge that were there. And and it made me really nervous, but it was a really cool honor. And like on Tuesday, I realized, wait a minute, they didn't ask me to tell the West story. Like I've been invited to go places and just tell the West story and tell my my story. And as you know, I can talk pretty uh, a lot. And so, you know, I could stand up and tell the West story all day long. But I realized like on Tuesday, oh, crap, I've got like a presentation that I need to make like they want content. They don't want my stuff. They want like legit, this is, these are the things you need to tell them. So I worked on my PowerPoint absolutely at the positively last minute. And you know, the closer it got time to present, the more nervous I got. 
I have some friends, excuse me, that have the privilege of listening to me when I get nervous. And so on Wednesday night, before the presentation was first thing on Thursday, not only did I like revert back to my self-deprecating behavior, I became downright negative. I think I went on the scale of 75%, I've conquered my bad habit to like a negative 20 Luckily, I have some people in my life that speak truth to me. And so instead of coddling me and, oh, you're going to do great, it's going to be amazing, they're like, stop. You're being so negative right now. I heard them. So I went to sleep knowing that I needed to get out of my own way in order for God to be able to do God's thing in and through me. Habits are hard to break. And when we're stressed, we regress back to those things that get in the way of us having light and life. I got up there for the presentation. I totally had not done my technology homework. Luckily, a couple of preacher friends plugged in their computers because I didn't need, there's like a USB-C thing now. Who knew? And all this stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I made this PowerPoint. Now it's not even going to work. And then I got up there in front of all these colleagues, and I started, and it was so bad. <laughs> it was so, so I was stumbling all over my words. I said things that I thought would be funny, and they didn't think they were funny. Nobody laughed. It was a hard room. And I thought, well, all I got is to just be me. And so I finally just said, look, I am infinitely nervous right now. And I thought you'd laugh, and you didn't laugh, and this is going to be a really long hour and a half. They still didn't laugh. (laughs) I thought, this is going to be horrific. But I just kept going. Yesterday, Lane asked, how did the presentation go? And I answered her honestly. You know what? In that awkwardness and in those icky moments from the night before when I was being so negative through the realization that I just needed to be me and not act like I had it all figured out and all this polished stuff, God actually did some pretty cool things. And at the end, like, a couple of people that are in charge of church planting said, hey, can, like, we talk to you more? Can we have some questions? I'm like, oh, yay, somebody has questions for me. A year ago... I wouldn't have even owned that somebody had questions. I would have blown it off and said, oh, you don't want to ask me anything. Now, that doesn't mean I am ego woman or that I think I've got everything figured out and I'm up here and everybody else is down there. But you know what? Studying church planting is is my thing. And it was okay to live into that the other day. But it's because I faced a hard, hard, hard habit that I needed to break. What habit do you have this morning that you need to confront and let God work in so that you can break it? 
If you've been following United Methodism, you know that right now in our denomination, we are, we are caught in the middle of trying to discern what rituals and what, what rules and what interpretation of Scripture, frankly, are we going to lean into to define who we are as an inclusive denomination? This past week, a group of people, and and I told you I would keep you abreast as a church because I know that as a church, many of you are hurting and disgusted by what happened at General Conference when not only did we not make forward movement, it being an inclusive denomination, we took steps backward and made it more punitive to not practice. uh, If someone practiced inclusivity, we made it more punitive against the pastor and against the church. And so after that, many of you wrote and you said, this is not fair. This is not who we are. And so I want you to know that this week in uh, Kansas City, a group of people got together, or St. Louis, sorry, got together and decided that they were going to have conversations around what are the next steps for us as United Methodists? What does that look like if we truly do take this passage of Peter's dream that can be applied to us individually, but also be applied to us corporately and make it bigger. What do we do with that and how can it impact us? One of the folks that had been chosen to go to that gathering was at this church planter thing. And they said, you know, it was actually one of the saddest things ever because you would think that having a group of people together, like-minded, we'd all agree What ended up happening was the vote was split, like, by one vote, right down the middle, about the best way to proceed. Habits, rituals, interpretations, they are difficult things. Whether we look at them corporately and push the envelope more, or whether we look at them individually and recognize that we've all got stuff that we need to get out of the way so that we can live abundantly. We're called to know that God gives us a big picture vision. We're all people and all things are welcome. And we each have a responsibility in that. We're all Peter in that story. And we're all looking at the blanket, knowing that the table is open for everyone. But in order for us to be Peter, we have to get rid of our stuff and our bad habits so that we can go be Jesus for all people. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for working in our midst. Thank you for showing us that there are rules and rituals and things that get in the way of us being who it is that you call us to be. We all have hard habits, bad habits that we need to break. God, work in us so that we can be you. We can be your hands and your feet and your voice and and we can be like Peter. And we can show the world that change is a good thing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.